Welcome to the first official episode of Shellheads, a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle podcast. Brought to you by Reality Breached and the Warp Zone Arcade. In this episode, we start from the beginning and discuss Mirage, Volume 1, Issue 1, the first comic book to introduce the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. As always, we want to thank Jeff with the Warp Zone Arcade for his lovely contributions to the podcast. And for more Shellheads podcasts, visit realitybreach.com, where you'll find all of the Reality Breached podcast family. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the show. Welcome to episode one. That's right, the first ever episode of Shellheads. The the joke is that this is actually the second episode, but it's number one. Never mind, never mind. Uh, I am your host, Sergio. I'm here with my fellow Shellhead, Jeff. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) Jeff, of course, as we're going to plug basically every episode, is the owner-operator of the Warp Zone in Brandon. If you're in Brandon, check it out. Let's jump into our the topic of episode number one. What is the topic of episode number one? The first issue of TMNT. Yes. And by first issue, you mean the Mirage run. Correct. Mirage. Um, of course, the Mirage, issue, the Mirage issues uh, published by Eastman and Laird. Self-published by Eastman and Laird. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so, yeah, Mirage was created basically in a garage may not have been an actual garage, but a garage in, in New England. Uh, and the idea was they, the name Mirage came from, we don't really have a proper workspace, so it's not a studio, it's just us creating this stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to create the first issue of the Ninja Turtles, Eastman took a loan out from his uncle to help print it. That's, that's how, that's how broke they were. Yeah. So it's, it's truly an American, like, come from nothing story. Exactly. Uh, and, and, and specifically we're going to talk about the pages of the very first issue of the very first volume, the pro- possibly in my mind, I don't know about you, Jeff, mm. the most important black and white comic to ever be printed. It's definitely probably the most prolific, mm-hmm. um, definitely to be sure. Um, because it's probably one of the most interesting concepts to just ever, you know, come along or come out of the eighties. Yes. Cause there was everything. Yeah. This, let's see, this was printed in, it was printed in 84 characters were created in the late 83. And I, we have, we have two copies of the book here. Yeah. Uh, so, so we can, so we can look at it and, and kind of reference some of the pages and some of the themes. And the, the, the first thing that really stands out is on the cover there is literally a sword dripping with blood. Ah, uh, oh yes. yeah, yeah. I'm like, I was like, is it the same as mine? I'm like, yes, it <laughs> yes, it's the same. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's literally a sword dripping with blood. Now, when you think Ninja Turtles, <laughs> you don't think sword dripping with blood. No, because most most kids in the '80s were introduced to it through the cartoon. 
most most human beings. Yeah. Yeah, just either through that cartoon or subsequent cartoons. Obviously, they wanted to set a tone uh, with the cover here, and mm-hmm. and and the, po- the like this the iconic pose on the cover of this has been reused so many times. Oh yeah, over thirty plus years. Yeah, yeah. Each iteration, someone goes out of their way to draw that iteration in the pose that's on the the, the cover. It's 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 one of those iconic covers like. Superman in action comics. Oh yeah, where car. he's yeah picking yeah. up the car. Oh yeah, you know uh, what's another one? Uh, what's that Spider-Man? Spider-Man? A Spider-Man? Irving Irving Spider-Man, folks. Yes, uh, that Spider-Man cover that's so iconic. Like Spider-Man, I, no more. It's just walking away from it in the suits and the trash. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Just just certain covers that are reused or styles that are reused because they're just so iconic. Yeah. Um, it should be noted that this was printed on what uh, news newspaper. Was it newspaper print? It was an oversized book. Yeah, like magazine size. It was magazine sized style because that does not fit in a regular bag and board. I tried. No, it doesn't. <laughs> you have to go like what Golden Age. You have to go something to an old. Yeah, you, age? You, like you specifically have to get magazine sized bags and boards, which yeah. I did. Yeah, yeah, they they don't fit in my regular long boxes. Mm-hmm. It was printed on, you know, a low budget on, let's just say it, cheap paper. Yeah. Yeah, because that's what they could afford. Yeah. And the, the story tells the origin. Well, no, it, it doesn't tell the origin. Not right away, at Not least. right away. No. Like, it doesn't give any details on where they actually came from. Yeah. Uh, it just tells you how they became ninjas, how they became turtles. You're not how they became, became turtles, but how they became, you know, giant anthropomorphic. I want to know how they became turtles, oh, well, Sergio. When two I turtles really... love each other. <laughs> but they really got to love each other, folks. <laughs> like, I, I I read through this again last night. Yeah. Uh, and I understand you read, read it today. Uh, yes, it was very last minute. <laughs> Reread it within, like, you know, under an hour. Fantastic. Um, oh, it's fresh then. Yeah, super fresh. <laughs> well, a, a couple Maybe. of things stand out. There's blood in this book. Oh, okay. yeah. There's definitely blood in this book. There's... They never... Uh, other than the Shredder, which, spoiler alert, Shredder dies. Yeah. <laughs> he gets murked in the very first issue. Other than Shredder, they don't commit to the characters having killed anyone. Yeah. It's suggested... It definitely looks like it. <laughs> you know, it's it's not like they're cutting off limbs. They're not leaving bodies strewn around New York City. Yeah. Your typical ninja fare. Right. Right. So, so, so... Ninjas with a heart. Right. Right. Like, we don't kill. We just maim. Yeah. Very badly. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, tell me, like, the art in this whole Volume 1 run is unique in several ways what like what about this first issue really stands out definitely the shading and just the style and like the thicker lines and in, in some in some of the panels um uh you know to me and just the dynamic range of action uh poses and and, and whatnot or yeah. scenes as it were yeah it's 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 funny that you say shading um what is your familiarity with duo shade paper? Uh, virtually non-existent. Awesome. <laughs> Let's talk about duo shade. Please educate me. Um, many of the, actually, I think all of the 
original run of the Turtles, like Volume 1, all of them that were done in-house at Mirage were done on duo shade paper. Oh, wow. Which, it was a proprietary paper that you could shade without ink. Ooh, that's fascinating. Yeah. Uh, they would draw, like, the, they draw the pencils on it, and then they would draw the, 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 they'd ink over it with, you know, like, whatever, whatever ink comic book people use. And then to <laughs> do the shades, the duo shade paper came with chemicals. And they basically would paint in the spots with the chemicals mm. to activate the different shades of color. Now, did those chemicals help mutate the turtles? I'm thinking maybe. They brought them to life good. on the paper. Good. Ah! Good. We got it, folks. It was not green, by the way. <laughs> uh, but if but if you look, like, you see the different cross-hatching? Oh, yeah. Like, all of that is activated by the chemicals in the in what they put on the paper, and that's how they did all of the shading. Like, it's 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 really fascinating, and it's, and it's one of those things that it's a pri- proprietary paper that isn't made anymore. So it's not like you can just go buy some of this paper at a yeah. store and make stuff that looks like this. This is of a time. Right. So I like that in itself is fascinating to me. I'm I concur. Uh yeah. It's just flip, flipping through it last night when I was reading it I was just it, it had been a while since I had read it. Yeah. And so many of the the pages on here just jump out like there's one where Raphael is on a let me see if I can find what page it's on and I think oh. it's Raph it's kind of hard to tell this one here oh yes yeah, Raph yeah on the rooftop yeah it's just beautiful you know just stills like that just they just jump out that's probably my favorite um, panel of the of the issue yeah it's labeled as page 19. Yeah. Uh, speaking of panels, there's a nice splash page towards the end that I came across. I also really like this shredder on page 27. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because you don't see him the whole, you know, in the outfit, the whole thing mm-hmm. until, like, mm-hmm. the big reveal. Yeah, splash page on page 29 is phenomenal. Oh, yeah. Pages like this. They don't really do. Well, they became synonymous with the Turtles. Right. Because even later covers, like a cover, I think, of the sixth and seventh issues, the entire page is just full of bodies and people and things. It's, 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 kind, of a, it's kind of an Eastman trademark yeah. at this point. Uh, so so, 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 so even, even as early as the first issue, they were making their style known. Right. Setting themselves apart from yes, you know everything else in the industry at the time. Yeah, and and like they kind of had to. That like, was kind of cookie cutter. Yeah, yeah, like they, they kind of had to because they were making a black and white t- comic book. Yeah, you know, so they had to do things to stand out. Um, oh, yeah. um, what about this? The Mirage Run is just incredibly different from the rest of the Ninja Turtles stuff, at least in your mind. It's that they're they're ninjas first and foremost, mm-hmm. and then the goofiness. It's not there a whole lot. It's there here and there, kind of splashed in, yeah, to kind of you know um, lighten certain moods and whatnot. But it's it's definitely that you know that dark and gritty. You know, uh, uh, it's representative of some of the uh, comics. You know, at the time, yeah. Yeah, you know, Daredevil and 
and uh, Daredevil was a was a huge uh, influence. Yeah, in, on on Eastman and Laird, uh, that and Frank Miller. Yeah. So so that that does kind of drip off these pages, right? And at one point, didn't they say the old man was? <laughs> Oh no, the chemicals. Yeah, that, yeah, 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 that yeah, yeah, yeah. Out. Yeah, save that. S- story save came that. out a few decades ago that the TCRI canister that broke and fell into the sewer and mutated the turtles was the same one that blinded Daredevil. Yeah, I, I like. I don't know how much truth is behind that. It, it sounds like a a, a a magic bullet story. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> or a magic mutagen story, if if you were like it bounced into the sewer and then some of it ricocheted off and like flew out of the sewer grate and hit Daredevil just perfectly, yeah, like a bullseye. Yeah, it blinded him, and then it hit the the bowl. It's it's, it's really like a comedy of errors to get all of this, yeah, exactly where it needed to to, to happen, which. That's kind of what they meant to do. Like it was, right. it was always seen as kind of a parody of the self-serious Daredevil stuff. Yeah. Uh, and and from what I understand, they weren't sure if they were ever going to get get to make an, another one. Yeah, it was pretty much a one-off. One-off. They had yeah. Very few copies. Yeah, um, I think it was like five thousand. Yeah. Three thousand. Ooh. It was in between. It, like it was. It was a low thousand number. Like it's not. They didn't print a two, print a bunch at least that first run. Yeah, and there's like second and third third printings. Yeah, there are like five printings in yeah. in five years or something yeah. like that. I think I have a second and maybe third. Yeah, I have printing. a third, fourth, fifth, sixth. We're not going to talk about the no, different copies no, no, no. <laughs> of the first issue that I have because what? Let's see. It, it it says a lot that neither one of us are actually looking at a copy of the comic book. No, those are uh, those are protected. Yeah, we're both looking at it in like different collected forms. Yeah, mine are actually sealed and graded. So CGC, <laughs> nothing below a nine point anything, which was very surprising. Oh wow, yeah, mine aren't that high, <laughs> but mine aren't you know sealed and graded either. So. I'll have to bring them next uh, next time to. Show, for show and tell. Hey, uh, one thing you have to imagine with your, mm-hmm. you know, your mind, folks, what they look like. <laughs> um, w- reading through it again, what one of the things that really stood out was, I don't know the origin as well as I thought I did, and and I, I think because I, it's changed so much. There's so many different iterations. Thirty, to, you know, thirty years. There's one, two. Three, four, five. There's like six or set. There's seven different origins. Yeah. Each one of them influenced by another one. So, having experienced seven of them since I read this, mm-hmm. it's. It, I forgot there were so many characters. Yeah. Like there was Splinter and Shredder, and then there was a Rokusaki. Who is killed in the first issue? And his brother. And his brother. Which. Not, I'm sorry. Not Urukosaki. The hell was his name? Hamato Yoshi. I'm sorry. It was Hamato Yoshi. Tang Shin. Urukosaki, who is the Shredder. Uh-huh. Nagi, which is his brother. Yeah. Like, all of this to set up. 
the rat learned how to do ninja stuff. Yeah. That's it. And and over the years, they've trimmed that down so much. It took the brother out completely. <laughs> right? I was like, who's gone? <laughs> I was like, wow. Like That's a revenge story right there. Yeah. I, I, I kept reading. I'm like, am I reading this right? I, I did the same today. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like, wow. It, yeah. There's so, so much. And... It's 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 funny. Like this this came out in eighty four. The cartoon debuted in eighty seven. Yeah, that's only three years. Yeah, and think about the changes they made to the origin for the cartoon. Because they had to. They didn't have to. Well, to I guess simplify it for audiences. Because at the time, you know, I don't know. It, I, I guess make it make more sense for children. Yeah, yeah, and I guess. And I guess make it to where they could make more mutants. Yeah. And it not be so rigid. Yeah. Because to me, it makes more sense to say, you get the green stuff on you, you get big and smart. Right. That's it. That's yeah. in, in canon, like original canon, that's what mutagen does. Mm-hmm. But in the cartoon show, it's the mutagen takes whatever animal you last touched yeah. and mutates it into your blood and you become part of that animal. Yeah, so you're basically screwed if you keep guinea pigs for a living. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, which is a little more convoluted, but it allows them to make characters like Bebop. Yeah. Rocksteady. Yeah. It allows you them to mutate. guys been handling zoo animals all day? Okay. Baxter Stockman's a bug now, you yeah. know? Yeah. So I understand the change. Yeah. But as a kid, it was confusing. Yeah. Especially when the movie comes out. Yeah, and just completely throws you for a loop, but... Yeah, uh, you know, it's like whoa. Yeah, but we're getting ahead of ourselves. We are. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was shocked at the number of characters. Um, I, I thought it was cute that they had to, they went out of their way to say, "Let's use the climbing claw, climbing claws." Yeah, like you're ninja. You don't have to explain how you got up a building. But all right, that works. You know what's funny about this issue specifically is that there's not like there's human characters, but they're all in a costume, you know, like even the, the human characters are wearing ninja stuff. Yeah. So like, well, minus just the, you know, the background characters. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But none of those background characters are, they're not trying to look cool or it's, it, they're not important. Yeah. It's, it's not like they're wearing period specific clothing. Yeah. So, for all intents and purposes, oh. this could take place. That mustache guy. Oh, that is. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, look just like him. Except <laughs> this guy had hair and a hat. <laughs> for all intents and purposes, this could be released today. It, Stylistically speaking, would anybody do it? Mm, oh, yes, absolutely. You know, because so very common in a lot of properties. Like, oh, this studio passed on this. This studio passed on that. I'm like, oh well, you guys screwed up. Like they did for the movie but again i'm jumping ahead of myself <laughs> you know but uh, i mean you know oh yeah. yeah um well when i say absolutely someone would do it like every single week a different independent comic is printed yeah you know so absolutely someone would make this story um and you don't really get into like the the later issues like April, her hair absolutely looks like stuff from the eighties. Oh yeah. It absolutely looks like something that, that um Kevin Eastman would be into in the eighties. Yeah. 
But this first issue is devoid of all that. Right. It's just turtles and ninjas. The core. Yeah. Because it didn't know if it was going to take off, it was going to, yeah. you know, go anywhere. Yeah. And, and it's, it's such a, I don't want to sound all uppity and pretentious, but this issue is so damn pure, man. It is. It's so pure. It's, it's ninjas at the core. Like it, it's so good, man. You know, I didn't remember that shredder died because of a, what is this? A, a grenade? Yeah. What did he call it? He called it a thermite, thermite grenade. Yeah. A, the last thing I remember is him getting decapitated in the two the two thousand three series. Yeah, and I was like, oh, I guess that for some reason I remembered that happening in the comic books, which I think it does later with like the worm, the the the, the worm shredder. I think I don't remember. We'll get to that. It's been a long time, but, but you know. I didn't remember that he had a thermite grenade. Yeah, because he was supposed to be just kind of like a one off, yeah, character. Then like let's move on, but then. He became so popular, mm-hmm. like yeah. Darth Vader popular. Yeah, and the, 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 the thing is, is in in eighty seven when you go to create the cartoon, and you know Fred Wolf is like, okay, cool. Uh, we have these turtles; they're awesome. Uh, good job, good characters. Uh, we also have the Splinter, fantastic character. Um, we need a bad guy. Uh, who you got? Yeah. And by that time, they had what like ten issues out or whatever. Yeah. I guess Shredder? Yeah. Because they had gone to space and they had come back. There were Triceratons. Like, who is your main bad guy? Oh, we have this guy named Shredder that we had in the first issue. Great idea, guys. Yeah, let's do that. Let's use that guy. Which I think is really funny because the Shredder is known as their main villain. Yeah. Regardless of iteration, Shredder always shows up. He's always a ninja. He's always got a thorn in his side. And he was... He started as a footnote. The guy they killed in the first issue. Pun intended. Ah! Yeah, see, there we go. We got the jokes, folks. Ho-ho! Hey-o! The art design behind the Shredder in this issue. This is obviously what they used for the first action figure. Yeah. It almost like they designed the action figure well before the, the TV show was developed, because... He almost was in this pose when you got him out of the package. Right, and he actually had the cloth... Mm-hmm. Like outfit, and I was like, "Wow, this is great!" And I was like, "Well, the guy a lot." And you see them at flea markets. So I was like, "Well, shirtless shredder." I'm like, "No cape." I'm like, "Poor guy, he's cold." Yeah, yeah. And, and the thing is, as a kid, it ne- it never even occurred to me. He looks nothing like he does in the show. Yeah, never even occurred to me. Yeah, he was just he was the bad guy that I played with. Yeah. Well, the color scheme was was kind of because he was a little bit lighter than the uh the action figure itself. Yeah. But well the action fig in the action figure he was what? Like purple? Yeah. Yeah, he, he like he literally looked nothing like he does in the show. But yeah, like his color change color scheme was completely off. He was shirtless, like just just odd. Yeah. But what else you got about issue one? The layer. The fact that they did something and the bricks opened. And I was like, how did they do that? I was like, wow. Like that. Oh, it, oh, oh, layer. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Like layer. What? Yeah. The layers? Yeah. <laughs> <It's>, 
and then all the parfait? and then all the books and stuff, you know, just like the yeah. you know, the little things here and there. Comic books these days don't have this level of detail. Just they do not. Just because they're on a time schedule. Yeah, like they have to be done by you know. It's all corporate, and it's it just like you said. It was just two guys doing this on their own, taking their time, mm-hmm. and it just and and the artwork just shows it's you know, yeah, the you know the. What's the words I'm looking for? Um, just that level of love and attention to detail. Oh, Jack Kirby, the Jack Kirby influence yes. as well. Yes, heavy, ah, tremendous so influence. Um, I um, there's an ambiance that this book carries mm-hmm. that I have that. Okay, let's let's do a little backstory on me. Okay. I have a. I almost have a fetish, fetishist love of New York City. Never been there. I'm almost scared to go there because my love of the landmarks and the idea of that giant city just existing. Yeah. I, I don't know if it'll live up to what I think it is. To your expectations. Exactly. Yeah. It's it's like don't meet your idols. It's, right. it's one of those situations. The New York of the late '80s, early '90s. Mid or just eighties, early nineties, is a different New York than what exists today. Oh, yeah. And the aesthetic of late eighties, mid eighties New York can be seen in the panels of this. You can feel it, especially like the very first, the very first page in the alley with the purple dragons. Let me get to it. That right there. Yeah, yeah. Screams, dirties, dirty eighties New York. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it, it, and you see it in old movies. Like if you watch the original Ghostbusters, that's dirty, dirty eighties New or York. Crocodile Dundee. Crocodile Dundee. Um, even even the first Superman. It's not in New York, but you know, Metropolis is a stand-in yeah. for New York. Adventures in Babysitting. Yes, I think was that was that New York. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. But but that aesthetic carries into the movie as well. Right. Oh, yeah. Like the 90, is it 1990? Yeah. No, the 1990 yeah. Turtles movie is dirty 80s New York. Yeah. Uh, and watching the first season of the first television show, because I just happened to be watching that today, that aesthetic bled into that as well. Like it's so, yeah. it permeates out of this first book so, so hard that you can see it throughout the rest of the series. Mm-hmm. And regardless of iteration, y- you still kind of get that. It's that kind of level of consistency. Yeah. That kind of links it back to this. Yes. It's, it's, it's almost like Gotham. Yeah. You know, Gotham has a feel to it, regardless of if it's in a comic or if it's in a movie, it's a total crap hole. It's a shit. <laughs> yes. It's, <laughs> it's a crap hole. And it, it's, 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 I'm sure the I'm sure it's daytime sometimes, but it always seems like it's dark. Always, you know. Yeah, and that's kind of how I feel about the Turtles, New York. You know, when they pop out of the sewer, they don't pop into Times Square and everyone's taking pictures. Yeah. They pop out and someone is getting murdered. Yeah, or mugged, or you know, yeah. what have you. So it's that, that that's it's it's amazing that that was established so early in the in 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 the series. And it's just kind of permeated the entire franchise. And what's funny is, after this issue, they immediately leave. 
like I think issues what two and three are in New York, but then four, five, six, and seven they go into outer space, come back. They eight there with Cerebus, you know. So New York is not like their exclusive stomping ground, right? But it's the one that they're synonymous with. Yeah. So it's weird. Like a bunch of other you know superheroes and characters have you know their own established. Uh, you know, cities and stuff, and mm-hmm. they're different takes on different, uh, or their style of New York or Manhattan, or yeah, or, am I getting that right? No, Man- no, well, yeah, Manhattan is the main island, yeah, with yeah. all the big buildings, yeah, and so there's different, there's different takes on it, like, oh, well, this exists here, and like here and there, I'm like, oh, well, we can't afford the rights for the Empire State Building, <laughs> so we can't put that in here, um, yeah. Yeah. So, and like, you know, you're going back to saying, talking about the origin and stuff and how, how it changed so much over the course of like, you know, 30 uh, something years mm-hmm. and, and some of the uh, different iterations. And again, it, it's getting, I'm getting ahead of myself, but that, that, that first movie just nailed it perfectly. Like it was like just done so incredibly well. And it's like, I want more of that. <laughs> you know, it leaves you, it definitely leaves you with a longing and a desire to see this, the, the, you know, the, the comic issues come to life in a way that, you know, you've, you've never really seen. Yeah. Um, past that first movie or, you know, in later yeah. animated series. And, and, and we were talking about this off mic, uh, before, before I got started, uh, simply about Ninja Turtles is a kid's property at this point. Yeah. It's and I say at this point it's been a kids property since literally 87. Yeah. That's when your grandmother was like, "Oh, the Ninja Turtles," you know, yeah. like she oh, she figured out this is a big thing for kids. Yeah. And that's kind of been I don't want to say the property's downfall because a lot of great stuff has come out of it. It's a 50-50, I think. Or maybe 60-40. <laughs> like if if we're talking quality, it definitely, I do feel that it has hurt it in a sense of, you know, oh, let's not take it as seriously. Mm-hmm. Although they try to do in certain animated series like 2K3 and, and the Nickelodeon one. Yeah. They get pretty serious. Yeah. Yeah. And they, so they try to kind of go beyond that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there are, you know. Yeah. But, but, but at the same time, it's, it's like, not consistent. It's it's not consistent. It is the only thing that's consistent about it is the target, right? And you can get dark, you can get brooding, you can get angry, but at the end of the day, you're targeting ten year olds, yeah, or eight year olds or whatever, right? So your 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 art is going to suffer yeah. because you're forced to work inside of the box of the eight the eight year old box. Yeah. Oh, that's, I why does I, that make me uncomfortable? Uh, it was a cardboard box. Okay, that's it's, fine. You know, probably don't keep point. your eight-year-olds in boxes. No, don't. That's or not refrigerators. What no, no. Or refrigerator boxes. Ooh, did not make a very good spaceship. <laughs> <laughs> but since since the entire population sees the turtles as something for eight-year-olds, yeah, no one is greenlighting anything for adults. Outside of, like, the IDW comic right now is probably the closest we're going to get for a long time. And we got a video game based off yeah. that, and it, the story was pretty good. Yeah. The game was so-so. Mm. Better than what we've gotten in the last ten years. That's true. But, That's true. Like, 
as long like Peter Laird held on to the property for a long time mm-hmm. and did exactly what he wanted to with it. And a lot of that was keeping it keep it, like tying it to its roots, trying to aim at something that wasn't an eight year old. Yeah. And we loved it. We absolutely loved it. And yeah. eight year olds back then loved it because it ran for what? Seven years. Yeah. Was it seven? It was like seven years. What the cartoon or yeah. The two K three. Oh, uh, like seven years. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's four good seasons. <laughs> the law season. I still like the lost season. Uh, then, then fast forward and then back to the, yeah, seven, seven years. Yeah. Back to the super. Yeah. Yeah. So th- that's probably the, the cruel irony is that a book this good and this well-crafted and this influential, which we haven't even talked about yet. Uh, and indie. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Of course. Um, that a book th- this influential and this important has been distilled down to a, this is a kid's property. Yeah. Especially we, with the current cartoon. Yeah. <laughs> we're not going to talk about the current cartoon today. Uh, yeah, no, we're not. <laughs> but you, you get where we're going with this, yeah. folks. Because look at Star Wars. Like, the first iteration of Star Wars was made for adults. Kids liked it, but it's an adult movie. Not yeah. a, it's not an adult movie, but it's for adults. Yeah. Nowadays, you can have adult Star Wars movies. That doesn't happen with Ninja Turtles. Or TV shows. Yeah. Because there was some dark stuff in some of those episodes. Yeah. And like the Star Wars, Star Wars can play in the land of the children. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, adults still care. Right. And we don't have that. Right. All of our adult Ninja Turtle stuff is mostly built on nostalgia, or at least most people's is. Yeah. Uh, but let's talk about the influence. Jeff... How influential do you think that comic book was? In in what sense of just in the in the comic industry of the eighties? I think it was a tremendous influence, you know, going forward with just the idea of it itself. Like they're teenagers, they're mutants. They're ninjas and they're turtles. I mean, <laughs> you know, the the idea was just when it's in, in Santa Cruz and then you had a whole bunch of copycats, you know, come out of it. But you had some, you know, probably some of the most richest and incredible stories, which kind of drove people in the industry to kind of, you know, wake up and do more. But in it, it definitely they were they were the rock stars. Absolutely. You know, absolutely. And to come from nothing and then, you know, that starving artist and then just take off like Yeah. They're the Beatles. Yeah. Th- th- think think about what you were doing five years ago. Yeah. Imagine if you created something five years ago and now suddenly that something is on everything at Walmart. Shoes Underwear, party supplies, toothpaste, Pez dispensers. Like that's the kind of, that's the, that's how quickly it ascended. It went from nothing to taking over the planet in five years. But if we're looking at like influence when it comes to strictly comics, this book is credited with almost being the sole reason there was a black and white comic comics boom in the mid eighties. Oh, definitely. Uh, there was, it, it was an instrumental piece of the artist movement. I can't remember the exact name of it right now, but we have a whole episode coming up on it. Okay. Good. It's, uh, 
as you know, Marvel owns Spider-Man. Marvel owns X-Men, Fantastic Four, Captain America, Blase Blase. DC owns Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, The Flash, whatever, whatever. In the 80s, that was the com- that was that was comic books. Yeah. Marvel, DC. Sure there were these fringe, you know, Dark Horse was doing their thing. Uh, but nothing was profitable, nothing blew up. Anything that was creator owned was kind of dead on the vine. Right. Because Marvel and DC had a stranglehold on it and they weren't paying the like anything the creators were making for Marvel became property of Marvel and the creators got paid what what's it called? Um crap. <laughs> <laughs> no, they got paid they, they got paid by they they got paid like contract artist. Yeah. It's like we're going to pay you x number of dollars to create a character and a and a and a thing. Congratulations, you get to eat dinner now. Yeah. And oh look, Stanley creates Spider-Man. Okay, great. We're going to make literally 3 trillion dollars on this over the next 60 years. Enjoy your 10 grand. Yeah. You know, and that's kind of how the comic comics industry was for decades. It's, you know, the sad state of affairs. It's yes. Horrible. And the creation of the turtles and them becoming worldwide phenomena in such a short amount of time basically taught creators that, or helped teach. I'm not saying it's, it's solely responsible, but it is part of part of the story a large part of the story it taught creators that what they have is valuable right you know oh definitely i can either tell the story as a spider-man story or i can change it to arachnid man and suddenly i have my own property Mm -hmm. that i can pitch to hasbro i can pitch to any of these toy companies and who knows they may make some toys i make some extra coin i don't have to share it with marvel yeah so we're going to talk much more about that entire entire arc in a future episode because it's fascinating. Like if you go back and do the do the research on late 80s comics mm. and then the comics boom in the 90s and image comics and all of that stuff, fascinating and where the turtles fit into that into that whole matrix of of stuff is amazing. And this first issue is a huge part of it. Yeah. Episodes to come. I like it. Yeah. Any closing remarks? I can't think of any. Um, <laughs> again, it's been a crazy week. Uh, and we're just getting started. Um, just like you know, just like you said, I, I, I had forgotten because it had been so long since I read the first issue how good this was just for at the time that it came out and, you know, in just the industry just being oversaturated with, you know, cookie cutter stuff. Mm -hmm. But there were, I mean, not to say that that stuff was bad. There's a lot of fantastic stuff that came out, um, uh, around that time. Um, but it just, it, it makes me want, more right though this this level of detail and quality and love and care in other media and other forms um beyond what's on the page um but it's really they'll they'll never be able to duplicate the boom that 
oh no, you know, no, uh, that this just exploded uh, yeah. in, in popularity. Um, I, I don't know. I, I still kind of have my hopes that one day. <laughs> so eventually, when they stop making money, yeah, squeezing money out of children, yeah, we we might be able to uh, to get something decent. I thought at one point I'm like, oh well, let's let's see what the Japanese can do with with this and make you know dark because they're good at doing yeah, yeah. that uh, in in animated form because oh man that would be that would be incredible. <laughs> Like I'm not giving up. I'm not giving, <laughs> no, up, not hope giving up because I just, you know, I just one day, you know, maybe we'll have something that's, you know, as good as the, the, the 90s movie. And that is the gold standard. Just like the first issue, that is the gold standard. Yes. And it does. It, it definitely continues to get better. Yep. For, you know, from here. Yeah. And just crazier. And that's just that's what I love about it. It's it's, it's funny that you say it gets better. Like this first issue, maybe not. Any other issues of the Ninja Turtles, this first issue will continue to be read probably hundreds of years from now. Oh, yeah. You know, just just like, uh, you know, again, Superman in Action Comics, uh, the, the the first Detective Comics with Batman. Amazing in it. Fantasy 15. It's Amazing Fantasy 15. Like, there are certain comic books that people will always look back at and say... Where did this stuff come from? Yeah, and this fir- this first issue will be read for centuries. Yeah, which is amazing because it's just two dudes from New England. Yeah. My closing thought, though, is that as much as we think of the characters of Ninja Turtles having the the strength of the turtles as characters, this first issue they're not characters. Yeah, they're tools. They're tools used by Splinter to kill the Shredder. Exactly. They have no personality whatsoever. They're just teenagers who cut things. Maybe a little bit towards the end. A little bit, but you. But not. It's not like you can tell Mikey's the funny one, right? You know, they're just characterless turtles, and they still put together a fantastic first story. Oh yeah. Well, that does it, Jeff. Yes, that would be me. <laughs> Well, that's episode one, the first, <laughs> the first and only first yes. episode of Shellheads. Or is it the first and a half? A negative one? No, 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 no. no, no that other one, that that that, that okay. one doesn't count. Okay. It doesn't count. Okay. It's, it's just episode zero. Okay. Uh, what are we talking about next time? Ooh, I forgot my list. Oh, uh, the first five episodes of the 87 animated series. That is correct. The first season of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles animated show produced by Fred Wolf, which I've been watching, and that is a joy to watch. Yes. Oh, man. Just for that theme song itself. Oh, yeah. I love that theme song. Written by Chuck Lorre. Really? Of Big Bang Theory and uh, oh, don't don't. don't uh, yeah, I'm ugh, sorry. Yuck. I'm sorry. Well, <laughs> you know, yeah, I I couldn't believe it though. Oh, oh wow. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Well, we're going to talk about that next. Um, coming up in the next few episodes, we also plan on talking about what the movie. Um, and we're moving some, some stuff around. So I think the next yeah. two, we can commit to saying the first season of the first TV show, and the original 1990 movie 
new new line cinema movie. Yeah. We, we know the movie. We might mix about. it up. We might find the time scepter and just go into the future <laughs> and just mix it up. Yeah. But uh, if you made it this far, thank you for listening. Um, if you're in Brandon, v- visit the Warp Zone. Jeff will be there. I will. <laughs> what what a what a pitch! It's like I'll be there. Yeah, and so will nine hundred plus video games. Yes, uh, for- including Ninja Turtles games. Yeah, yeah. That we're also that's 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 in the first ten episodes we talk about video games. Yeah, uh, I, I know I couldn't couldn't keep you from talking about it that long. So. No, 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 you can't shut me up about it. <laughs> uh, well, I'm Sergio. I'm Jeff, and we are Shellheads. Tune in next time. I'm worried that I got some of that information wrong. Yeah. I, I kind of feel, you know. A little icky. Yeah. But the only info that I'm really worried that I got wrong was the duo shade stuff. Okay. I don't know if it's chemicals. <laughs> but that's how it works. Yeah. I just, uh, it bugs me. I don't know if you need to do pickups and whatnot. Let's yeah. see. Duo shade paper. Okay. Here we go. Bleedingcool.com. Yeah, yeah, they're pretty good. And it's taken forever. Like if you look closely at the at, at like especially that first issue, you can see where the chemicals are like oh, yeah. drawn on. Um I killed myself on the terminal point books. This is Bruce Zick. Have you heard that name? Mm. Apparently he wrote the books Terminal Point. Uh, all because of that damn duo shade paper. You brush two different liquids on the chemically treated paper, and two different shades of gray magically appear. Uh, Mad Magazine artist Wally Wood and Jack Davis used it in the 50s, uh, as did thousands of illustrators back then. So, there I was in 93, working on Dark Horse series called Terminal Point, brushing the chemicals into my inked Terminal Point art book, revealing as gray tones, mysterious. Yeah. So yeah, I'm not crazy. Yeah, that's good. All right. There we go. Don't miss an episode of the Shellheads podcast. Visit realitybreach.com or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or anywhere you get your podcasts.